Welcome to Technado with Don Pizzette. Featuring sysadmin expert Don Pizzette, DevOps engineer Justin Dennison, security specialist Daniel Lowry, and Peter. Hello and welcome to Technado with Don Pizzette. I'm your host, Peter Van Rysdam. We've got a great show for you today. Continuing to social distance around the building here, we have Don Pizzette above me. Not in, in real life, but in this this view that we have here. How you doing? Hi, Don. How are you doing? Good. Okay. I'm, I'm doing swell. I have to remember that we're you know doing audio. On his <laughs> yeah. audio distance. Not just interpretive well. dance. Yeah. And uh, Justin's over there with his his fan and all happy. How you doing, Justin? Uh, it is fantastic. And for some reason, all I can think of when y'all two did that was Hollywood Squares. Oh yeah. You say that we're socially distanced around the building. It pans out, and we're actually just in four boxes stacked on top. <laughs> yeah, and We've, Shadow Stevens is over there. <laughs> got a twenty square foot building, but it's it's up. It just yeah, goes up. Yeah. Mm, love it. And Daniel Lowry is up in uh, square number one. How you doing? I am not unwell, thank you. That's good. Okay, that is good. I had to think about that for a second. Quick, can you play tic tac toe with four squares? Really easily. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I win. Quick game. <laughs> That's how they play it in in Virginia, where Justin's from. Yep. Wee wee. Just one square and a knife and a gun. <laughs> <laughs> and one letter. It's just all X's. Yeah. <laughs> all X's. All right. And we're also joined today. Uh, we're kind of kicking off a, a new month here that is uh, like a getting started in IT month here um, at Technado and, and at IT Pro TV. And so we brought in Zach Hill this week, who is the creator of the YouTube channel, IT Career Questions. Zach, how you doing? Good. How you guys doing? Uh, we're doing pretty good, and we've had you on before, so uh, eagle-eyed viewers will remember from last time. But you're you got a whole nice, cool little set now that you weren't in last time. I'm used to seeing. I think you were on like a green screen last time. So, or is this a green screen? Yeah. Ooh, it could be. You never know. Dang it! You know? Yeah, it's like Inception. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm changing things up all the time. Always got to make it fresh, you know. Yeah, green screen within a green screen. Well, let's uh, uh, remind people that didn't uh, see last time Zach was on or uh, those that you know haven't seen Zach before uh, in our first segment here, Rapid Fire Questions. Who do you work for? What's new? Who are you? What's happening? What's wrong with you? All right, Zach, so we're going to have five minutes for this section, uh, 45 seconds to a minute for each question. You go over that. Peter's going to buzz you. We're going to move on uh, whether you were finished or not, and Peter's going to start us off. All right, Zach, for, uh, for those that missed last time, like I said, um, can you just kind of give us a, a little overview of the IT Career Questions YouTube channel, what it's all about? Uh, so the channel is there just to help people who are looking to get into IT, whether they're getting a fresh start into a new career or they're looking to you know change careers or even advance their careers in IT. I'm there to just try to provide as much information as I can about you know entering the field and what it takes to just advance and really lead to a successful career in information technology. So I'm just, I'm here to help. That's what I always love to say is I'm here to help. Speaking of uh, here to help getting people started, you put out a video, are IT jobs still hiring now? I think, or yeah, still hiring right now, excuse me. Um, speaking of which, we're in some weird times. Yeah. What impacts have you seen from like COVID-19 or any other things going on currently? You know, it's kind of crazy because I think a lot of people are, are suffering from this in many ways and a lot of people are losing their jobs. But I think just as many people as I see posting that they've lost their job, I see just as many people saying we're hiring, we're hiring, we're hiring. So it's really kind of, uh, it's crazy to see the way that the entire industry is shifting. It's kind of like this ebb and flow because there's, 
I, I don't think there's a, a set answer that I could give you. All I know is that there are still people hiring for jobs right now, which is great. Now, Zach, I, I haven't talked to you in a while. It seems it's, it's you know, probably been, seems like a year. Uh, when we talked last, you were working on a couple of certifications for you yourself. How's that been going? Uh, well, since the this you know whole pandemic started, um, all of my kids have been home with me. I have four kids and they're home with me all day. Uh, and it just recently, it was able to kind of get a babysitter to help out. So I had planned out uh, getting my Azure, uh, the fundamental certification and that kind of, as soon as I decided I was going to do that, this whole uh, lockdown started. So I had to put those by the wayside. But now that things are picking back up, I plan to get right back to that um, as soon as possible. Also kind of dabbling with the CEH material a little bit. Um, so it, right now it's just kind of like, how do I get my head back on my shoulders and move forward after all of this? <laughs> so, you mean kids don't help with Azure? <laughs> oh, I wish they did. They should. I mean, I, I feel like a child when I log into Azure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't blame you. I feel that same way sometimes. Now, Zach, uh, it was funny. I was watching one of your videos the other day and you had said something to the effect that the IT industry is... I'll be nice and say effed. Yeah. <laughs> e -F -F -E Expletive deleted. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's going on? Why are you saying that? What was the thing that made you uh, want to put that out there? So I've been doing the IT career question channel for almost six years now. And one of the biggest things that I see from people is the challenge that they have getting into the field. And that's whether somebody has a degree or certification or maybe just a little bit of experience or no experience, but they want to get into IT. There's a huge hurdle of just entering because there's so many entry level jobs that require years of experience, which makes no sense. So to me, the IT industry is effed because we don't have a standardized way to help bring people into the field. And it doesn't have to necessarily be standardized, but I want to see more apprenticeships. So for me, yeah, the IT industry is a little screwed up in that aspect because we need to be offering more ways to help bring people into the field, to help you know, validate their skills and also just get them an entry level job because you don't need experience for an entry level job. You're going to learn so much just by stepping foot into an entry level job. So uh, I'm, I'm looking for uh, a discussion. I'm looking to bring more people's eyes into this so that they can maybe figure out a better way because I don't have the answers. I can, I have ideas. I don't, I'm not saying my ideas are the best, but I definitely want to see a better way to help bring people into this field. Hey, so Zach, I'm curious, how do you come up with the uh, the topics for your videos? Because you're putting out new videos all the time, a couple of week, it looks like. Are, are um, viewers sending in ideas? Are you just coming up with the things that the challenges you face and, and creating ideas based on that? Yeah, a lot of the videos are driven off of comments that I've received on previous videos, or most of it nowadays is really driven from LinkedIn and seeing what people are talking about and trying to pick up off of their discussion so that, you know, if, if I think it's important, we're gonna talk about it and we're gonna get people's eyes on it so that they have the most information uh, available to them that they, they can have and, you know, get, be successful from that. I've never seen anyone actually just get right down to when the clock runs out to zero there. That was beautiful. <laughs> and and that's why we have a professional on the show today. Thank you, Zach, for <laughs> that. Welcome. Well, let's go ahead and jump to our next segment. And it's funny, I'm going to, uh, uh, Parker's going to be mad at me, but we, we have this little thing that I push and it makes the, the sounds go. And the and the uh, the headphone cable here must just suck. And so Parker's going to fix it before you hear it. But when we run these intros, it, it just sounds crazy. It's just 
It's wacky. So uh, here's our next segment. Uh, we're, we're actually bringing back a segment that we did last week for the first time. It was so much fun, and there's no shortage of, of great things to talk about. So it's tinfoil hat time. The moon landing was fake. Paul McCartney's been dead since 1966. Dogs can't see color. 5G causes syphilis. Do you understand that? All true. And that, that one actually sounded better, but we still couldn't hear part Alex of it. Jones. Yeah, the Alex yeah. Jones part at the end doesn't come through. <laughs> it's like it's a mono thing. I don't know. But anyway, great story this week. Princess uh, Diana was murdered oh, by the Illuminati. See? Now more things are going. <laughs> that is not this week's topic, but uh, I'm going to go and stop this one. It's true. You, you guys didn't him as an Illuminati shill. <laughs> it's all true. I gotta remember to stop that. Yeah. Uh, all right, so this week we've got a crazy one. Uh, who found this? Did you find this, Don? Oh, yeah. On yeah. Ars Technica? Okay. <laughs> I, I, I just really love this story. <laughs> all right, a $350 anti 5G device is just a 128 megabyte USB stick teardown finds. So someone is, sh- uh, is selling something, a 5G BioShield, using, quote, quantum nano layer technology <laughs> to restructure reality itself. So I don't, I mean, to me, I'm kind of like, hats off, you guys, you know, because it's like, hey, we're, we're targeting people that believe in kind of fringe things out there, so if, go for it. If Prove you, me wrong. If you believe in bullshit, then we're ready to sell you bullshit. Yeah. Are there crystals in it, do you think? <laughs> this is one of those things where if I did this, not only would I be trying to get that $350, I'd be trying to push the envelope to see how crazy it could be. Like, it's an anti-5G butt plug or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you mentioned, like, how crazy you can get. I, I pulled up the website for 5G BioShield, which, if you're curious, 5GBioShield.com. Uh, <laughs> it's a, a U.K. product. Here in the U.S., we have consumer protection laws. They do have them in the U.K. also, but they must apply differently because the claims on the website are insane. Uh, it says it's got nano layer, uh, or it says it... Uh, yeah, the 5G BioShield USB key with nano layer Which is a, a small quantum holographic catalyzer technology for the balance and harmonization of the harmful effects of imbalanced electric radiation. Uh, they say that it works without being plugged in, but if you do that's, plug that's it the in, best part. you can protect potentially your entire home, and apparently a lot of the power is derived from the hologram that is on the cap. Oh, that's the hologram technology, that little picture that's uh, like a, yeah. a centaur or whatever on a... I got mine from Geordie LaForge. <laughs> amazing. Oh, man. Awesome. Uh, uh, you can get a three-pack. So it's 283 pounds for one, 795 pounds for three. I was so say, these things it. are extremely heavy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, there were so many, like... Like legit science words in the thing that Don read, but they were composed <laughs> in a nonsensical way that I was just like, am I bleeding out of my nose? Uh-huh. Does it also work as like a blood, uh, like a styptic pencil where I can just rub <laughs> it over there? Sure, but that one's $500. Uh, the most advanced full-spectrum quantum nanolayer shielding technology is now available to the public. An impenetrable shielding and harmonization of your home and family from all harmful imbalanced electric radiation, including 2G, 3G, 4G, 5G, and Wi-Fi. What about bullets? <laughs> I'm sure. That, no, that, that's probably in the the footnote. I think I should just create a website that talks about how we've discovered the dangers of the anti-5G USB stick, and now I've got a USB stick to protect you from that. So if your neighbor yeah, has one, but but it's, it's a six hundred bucks. It's a jumper dongle that you have to put your anti five G stick into, uh, and then plug it in, and all it is is just a pass through. Is it USB C? 
It doesn't so, look like it. So, Zach, uh, has 5G uh, contaminated up in your area yet? No, not yet. I live out in the boonies, so I'm good to go. I'm oh, just mad that I didn't think of this first because this is like the best get-rich scheme <laughs> I've seen in a long time. It looks pretty legit. Well, I love the idea of thinking that somebody just had a warehouse full of these 128 meg keys <laughs> and, you know, like... People that go to trade shows and want logos on them have stopped buying them because even even that is too small for them. And they're just like, what do we do with all these? And you're like, there's a great idea. I, it's The UK has legalized grifting online. <laughs> Essentially. <laughs> Apparently, it does have a 25-page PDF on the USB key, which is basically the marketing slick for the 5G BioShield product. So you can... Uh... You know, share that with your friends. You know what? I, I'm wondering if that's how they got by with selling this, that you're buying that book. Mm. And it's like a satire or some kind of like fictional story. It's that an you're art project. For. Yeah. Well, so my, my favorite part about all this is uh, Ars Technica. They interviewed a, a guy who is talking to you who's a customer. And even though these researchers have looked at it, they said it is just a USB key. This guy still says... Uh, that he swears by it. Uh, he is a member of the Glastonbury Town Council, and he would like to protect the entire city. He says that he uh, feels calmer uh, under the influence of this key uh, and that it uh, has normalized his energy. Thank you so much, he says. Uh, he has 100% more, more energy. <laughs> Uh, his brain fog and fatigue are gone, and uh, so yeah, it's uh, it's done amazing things for him. If they were really smart, what they would have done is had some sort of like user data capture mechanism built into the thing, oh, yeah. so that they could gather all that and sell it to like Psychology Today or something, <laughs> so they could study the people that ta are taken in by this type of thing. So they need to be added to a list. Like, yeah. What scares me is he's in like he's in charge of stuff. <laughs> he was elected. That, that, yeah. It not only is he like I got some rocks outside my house that I'll sell it that'll balance his energies too. Yeah. But he's in charge of things. Uh, another person named Kathy said uh, that she suffered from severe electrosensitivity. Uh, and that the first night she used this thing, she felt an increasingly deep sense of relaxation. And then she says, as this went deeper, I experienced the understanding that reality was being restructured at a very deep level. So this USB key has actually changed existence as we know it. Are we worried, like, if someone did plug three or four of these in, that you could, like, tear the space-time continuum? <laughs> I think we're already in an alternate dimension. I feel like the, the Glastonbury Town Council is going to get ready to build a spire that's yeah. nothing but S <laughs> USB keys. I'm reading that uh, user Beryl Caskins says she shot her husband with it. <laughs> I wouldn't touch him after that, so she has to stick him in a septic tank. Huh. <laughs> that checks out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, we need to come up with one of these. Yeah, we're, we're on it. Any ideas, Zach? What are we... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. After reading this, I just I, I feel a lot more dumb than when I started. So I, don't, <laughs> I mean, that's one option. I, but you, I would rather look at it as like an entrepreneurial, uh, you know, success guide. All those things people are complaining about are opportunities that we can use old uh, discarded tech. Like I'm sure we got some floppy disks sitting around. We can sell you those know, for something. We laugh about it, but it's articles like these that make me wonder when the movie Idiocracy went from being a comedy <laughs> to a documentary. Yeah. <laughs> and, and unfortunately, it, it, it's hard to like argue against these because the placebo effect for these people. This is, it, I it makes me feel better because I think it makes me feel better. And okay, that's fine. But I could also say this old gym sock had mystic powers, and all it was is just some foot funk. Wait, you got them the mystic gym socks? I do, I man. You want some? Yeah, yeah. Who yeah. Are they copper after, after the after the thing? Yeah, I gotta get that. Yeah. Full of copper.
Full MysticGymStocks.com. You got yeah, it. Yeah. Ready to go. <laughs> right next to Jiblos. Johnny, yeah, right that next to Jiblos, <laughs> <laughs> Let me hit that up on Hover. <laughs> All right. Hey, Zach. Uh, so what do you got coming up? Any any videos you can kind of tease um, with us coming up next? Yeah, Thursday I'm at, Thursday night, I'm actually doing a live stream. We're doing some uh, resume rundowns because uh, one of the big things that I see from people is uh, they say, I can't get an interview. And my number one, you know, kind of response back to that is, well, you can't get an interview. Your resume sucks. So mm. let's fix that. So, that's oh, so you'll I'm actually like look at look at resumes live on, on the live stream? Uh, not on this one. This this live stream, we're just kind of be going to be talking fundamentals of resumes, mm. um, kind of talking about design, just general information that you should include. We're going to look at a couple different job postings and talk about tailoring your resume to those specific jobs so that when you know you submit your resume, hopefully it won't uh, get passed up in whatever HR filter that you know scans it. We'll try to make sure that the information that you're including on your resume is relevant to that specific job so you get a look and hopefully you get an interview from it. Nice. Does that happen on your website or on your YouTube channel? Uh, on the YouTube channel. So it'll be live uh, at 9.30 p.m. Central Standard Time this Thursday. Cool. All right. So just search for IT Career Questions. And your website is itcareerquestions.com as well. So you can head over there. And hopefully uh, there's a you know a trade show or something in the future that we'll run into you again at. But yeah, who knows hopefully. when <laughs> that'll happen. That's what's happening, right? We've got Black Hat canceled now, which is super sad. So I don't, I don't have anything coming up. But hopefully once everything picks back up, I'm I definitely looking forward to, uh, to seeing you guys again. I know we had a good time when we were at Vegas. Wait, they canceled Black Hat? Because I have a bunch of USB keys I was going to bring there and try to... <laughs> That's a bummer. I guess we'll just have to wait till the ribbon cutting of Mystic Gym Socks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everyone gets a free one. All right, it's well... too bad you guys don't know a famous influencer who could uh, help promote those. <laughs> hey, hey. Yeah. We're going to reach out about some advertising opportunities. I think you're going to lose uh, all of your credibility. Though, if <laughs> Probably. You take a, hopefully you're vetting the people that you work with a little bit better than that. <laughs> Well, yeah, a little bit. All right. Well, thank you so much, Zach, and uh, and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thank you, guys. You have a good day. Yep. Thanks for having me here. I appreciate it. Definitely. And everybody stay tuned. we got more Technado coming up after a quick break. See you then. An IT team that's upskilled and ready for any challenge. How do you get there? Join thousands of other IT leaders and let IT Pro TV be your resource. With more than 4,000 hours of IT training, IT Pro TV gives your team a resource to go to. The most popular vendors, CompTIA, Microsoft, Cisco, Linux, Apple, AWS, and more. The hottest tech, cloud, security, networking, and more. What's next for your organization? Whether it's an implementation, cloud migration, more workstation support, or new technology, you're covered. With IT Pro TV, you can rest easy. Your team will always be ready. It's binge-worthy learning for IT pros. Get a free trial for your team today. Visit www.itpro.tv/business. All right, welcome back to TechNeta with Don Pizzette, and thank you to Zach Hill for joining us, and make sure you check out IT Career Questions for all of his great stuff. Uh, we've got a lot of news to get to, so let's go ahead and jump right in. Our first article here is from xda-developers.com, and this one says, Windows 10 May 2020 update brings uh, WSL2 revamped Cortana Assistant and, quote, your phone calls to ARM devices, but update, there is a compatibility hold, according to this article now, so... Uh, I guess we should get to that first. 
Yep, this is the big update that Microsoft has been promising from Windows 10 since back in December, right? So this is a huge update, adds a lot of really cool functionality. For me, WSL2 being mainstream now is kind of the big thing because up until now it's always been in the insider preview builds. So uh, it is now rolling out in production. But uh, there's an undisclosed bug that Microsoft has discovered that interferes with the upgrade process to apply this update. And so they've had to put a hold out, not for everybody, but for many systems. So for example, my laptop here at the office upgraded just fine, but my desktop at home didn't. Uh, and so for those of you who don't, what you do is you, you get a message that just says, hey, this update is coming soon, and that's it. So likely there's some kind of driver compatibility or some other type of issue that Microsoft has detected, and so they're trying to stop people from uh, you know, basically getting their machine into a boot loop or something like that. Uh, but otherwise, on the feature side of things, WSL2 is probably the biggest thing, the, the Windows subsystem for Linux 2 where they move from doing a uh, basically like a, an emulated Linux kernel to actually running a true Microsoft-managed Linux kernel inside of a Hyper-V virtual machine. So it's kind of the first build of Microsoft Linux in a way, except it's it's actually Ubuntu running on it by default. So uh, so that's a pretty cool one. The Cortana features nobody cares about. The <laughs> Your phone on Windows is what is allowing you to connect an Android phone to Windows, much the same way you can with iOS on a Mac. Like if you're running, what is it, iMessage that you can do text messaging from your desktop? Here you'll be able to te do text messaging through Android. Uh, so those are some of the bigger features that are out there. Uh, there's a handful of other things that people may or may not care about, uh, like virtual desktops can be renamed. Uh, the Notepad app is getting an upgraded find and replace feature because everybody cares about that. Um, the big one is the, the calculator app can now float on top of other windows. Yeah. Yeah. That's I can't tell you how many times I've needed that. <laughs> yeah. Ever. And Thank you. Z-Index. Hey, anyone in this Google. article, did it explain what Microsoft Lists is? Uh, that's not covered in this one. That might be the compatibility. Can you issue. ask Cortana? Yeah. <laughs> hey, maybe we could. No, what the hell? Is I wonder if she would. Yeah, she's like, I don't know. I can't, I've I've read the article four times. Myself. She sends you to a uh, Google search. <laughs> Check with these guys. Yeah, maybe they know. All right, so Don, would you recommend then? Do we hold off doing the update because it might break? Or you were saying no, if it doesn't work, it just tells you, hey, it didn't. Right. Work. Yeah, Microsoft's already identified the problem machines. So like on my my computer at home, it told me, hey, the update's coming soon, and it would not let me apply it, and that's that. I, I guess I could circumvent it. I could go and directly download the update and try it, but the auto-update won't apply it. Uh, on mine at work, I just you know let it do its normal update. It actually had applied last night on its own, so when I came in in the morning, I was already updated. And have you have you noticed big differences in Cortana? Uh, I have Cortana disabled on my laptop, so it's Mark. still disabled just as effectively as before. Oh, that's good. That's um, how do you like the uh, WSL like experience? Do you use it a lot? Do you find yourself? So funny thing. Uh, <laughs> so I I've been looking forward to it, but WSL two requires Hyper V. And Hyper-V does not play nice with any other virtualization. So if you have VirtualBox or like I do VMware Workstation, they will not play together. So it's basically forcing me to choose between VMware Workstation or Hyper-V. Well, there's is, an easy decision. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, VMware Workstation is in my regular workflow, so it's, it's going to be hard for me to move away from that. All right, so we can look for a wider rollout of that uh, hopefully in the next uh, coming weeks, then maybe dig into that a little bit more. So let's move on to our next article over at tomshardware.com. Raspberry Pi 4, the 8-gig version, has been tested. Double the RAM and new 64-bit OS. And we were just talking about uh, last week, I think, the... Um, Raspi and, and some of the, uh, the the cool new features of it, but uh, what what really changes on this one from the previous versions? 
All right, so the Raspberry Pi 4 came out at the end of last year, and it came in a 1 gig, 2 gig, and 4 gigabyte of RAM model. So you could basically pick how much RAM you wanted. Uh, I had picked up a 4 gig model, uh, which I, I have at home that I use for various testing, and, uh, and it works really well, right? Well, when you only had 1 gig of RAM, it didn't really matter if you were on a 32-bit or a 64-bit OS. But once you cross 4 gigs of RAM, in order for one application to use more than 4 gigs of RAM, you need a 64-bit OS. Raspbian, which is kind of the default distro for Raspberry Pis, is 32-bit. And so they had to basically make a change, jump over to 64-bit. Now, the developer of Raspbian uh, isn't quite ready for that. It's focused more on the regular builds, which are, you know, the one-gig type models. So with the Raspberry Pi 4 for the 64-bit OS, they've actually chosen to move away from Raspbian and instead use regular Debian. So regular Debian has the... Uh, ARM v7 support built right into the kernel so that they can use the ARM version of it and boot up. So it's not going to be called Raspbian anymore because it isn't. Like technically, Raspbian is still the 32 bit model, which you can get. Uh, but the 64 bit OS is now just being called the Raspberry Pi OS. And it is uh, 64 bit, capable of running all the way up to that 8 gigs of RAM that you get in the newer model. In my opinion, the 8 gigs of RAM is not worth it. There's not really a Raspberry Pi workload that would use that much memory, in my opinion. But, you know, maybe somebody out there needs it, I guess. So the, the big news here really is that move away from Raspbian into Raspberry Pi OS, which I think is a good thing. What do you think they're pushing to go to the 8 gigs if you're saying that a Raspberry Pi platform really doesn't see a need for that much RAM? What was the, what was the whole purpose of even doing it then? Probably just because pricing on RAM is lower now. <laughs> so you just, hey, you get an 8 gigger. What the heck, right? Yeah. The, the only thing I can think of is when I was uh, in university, we had like this Beowulf cluster. You know, we would just buy nodes and throw onto it. Uh, but I know in computer science, when they would do testing on distributed architectures, right, you didn't want to buy a lot of those. But some of those data sets you have to read into RAM. I could see maybe 8 gigs for a single node coming up there where you have to read data into RAM to do processing. Yeah. Maybe for an algorithm, but I mean, that's very super specific. I've seen a few people who said that uh, the really ideal way to use it is to grab like seven gigs of that memory and make it a RAM disk because mm. the, the SD cards are slow, right? Yeah. The flash memory. So if you're just booting, that's fine. But if you're constantly doing reads off the flash memory, it's slow. So if you can read that into RAM, now you'll get faster access. So a RAM disk would be probably one of the better ways to use that. Yeah, it even says in the article, um, they're asking the same question, is it worth it spending more money to get that extra capacity? And the short answer, it says, uh, no, unless you've got you know very specialized needs. They say that their tests show it's difficult to use more than four gigs of RAM on a Raspi, even if you're doing heavy multitasking. So um, it sounds like it would have to be pretty specific use cases based on, on what people are, are doing with these if you had you know, some spe uh, special application you were running, maybe, maybe it would be worth it. But I mean, it's, it's 20 bucks. So it's like, why not just what the heck? The, correct me if I'm wrong, Don, the Raspberry Pi 4, that's still 100 megabit NIC, right? It's not up to gigabit. Uh, you know, I was going to say that it has a gig adapter, but it doesn't, because even the older Raspi had a gig adapter, but couldn't actually do a gigabit because it was plugged into the USB bus. Uh, so I don't know. I don't think so. I, I think it's, I think it's still that way where it's like okay. a gig adapter, but it can only move like 400 megabit. Let me see if I can look that up. You've done it, Justin. You have stumped on and you <laughs> well, won this week's prize. Well, that's one of those things where you're like, well, hold on. I need to plug this in. I, um, I don't know. And then there's part of me that I'm like, well, 
I mean, it's only $20. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, we were talking last week, too, about the faster SD cards coming out, but you're saying, Don, that, that they're still slow on here, obviously. If the faster cards were out, you need different hardware on the Raspi itself right. to make that work? Yeah, you need that PCIe 3 or 4 support. Uh, so I looked it up. The Raspberry Pi 3B Plus had a had a gig adapter, but could only do 330 megabits of throughput. Uh, the Raspberry Pi 4 has a gig adapter and can actually do a gig. Oh, okay. So it says. So Amazon then, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's where you get yeah. these things. I did find it interesting that they have a side-by-side -side picture in the article of an 8 gig versus a 4 gig and how they kind of make it, um, uh, they go out of their way to let you know they look almost identical and there's only a very small, subtle way in which to tell the difference. Maybe they're trying to warn people against some sort of, like if you were buying them from eBay or something, <laughs> and you thought, I bought an 8 gig and you get it and it's actually a 4 gig. But the 8 gig ones, they block against 5Gs. They do. Especially when you plug in that, that USB stick. Mm -hmm. 5G bio. Usually you don't have to. You can just place, whole house. place the USB stick near it. And we'll it get cancer. Still Good covers point. that for you. So you are set. All right, well, hopefully uh, one of you guys gets one of those soon and checks it out. And You shut up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I need a Justin's so happy. I don't know why. They... <laughs> Impromptu violence and or like... <laughs> <laughs> like aggression, yeah, it's funny. I like, mean, if out he of was context. really like being mad at you, like, it would oh, be it's funny Peter. to me. The, the out of context aggression, is yeah, what makes it funny. <laughs> yeah, I do hate Peter. Yeah, if he was like, I'm gonna come kill you, I'm like, whoa, hey, whoa, whoa hold on, we gotta calm down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway, I next story. Like that. All right, uh, ZZNet.com. Our next article: Open SSH to deprecate SHA one logins due to security risk. Uh, breaking an SHA-1 generated SSH authentication key now costs roughly $50,000, putting high-profile remote servers at risk of attacks. That sounds like a disease, or am I saying that wrong? SHA-1? SHA-1. 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 SHA-1, yo. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's Michael Jackson's encryption method. Didn't he used to yeah. yell that? SHA-1. <laughs> I believe so. Uh, and, you know, Daniel, you probably know this better than me, but uh, SHA, as far as a hashing algorithm, uh, some collision attacks were detected a few years ago, and then that's escalated to where it became fully broken, but it was really expensive. It required a lot of CPU power to do it until now, where if you leverage cloud computing for about 50 grand, you can use enough CPU resources to be able to break pretty much any SHA-1 key. So that's kind of been a known entity. that This is a weaker algorithm, and you should be moving on to other ones, but it's kind of been optional that SHA-1 support has still been there, and so they've announced they are actually going to be ending that support in OpenSSH. I'm waiting until it goes down to something, you know, like 45000 40000 yeah. then, then I'll grab it. 50 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> I get that on eBay. Yeah. So I I immediately, I was like, wait a minute, I've generated some SSH keys recently. Yeah. Where's the uh, SSH RSA? Uh, yeah. So, oh, 100000 But you can change, like, the... I, I guess it's the... The hashing algorithm. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so, so I just got to make sure you... I went and looked... And uh, so by default, if you use SSH keygen, yeah. it's SHA-512. Right. So you can opt into SHA-1 uh, currently on my computer, but I guess that's getting deprecated. But what, hmm, how big of an issue is it to go back and... And change all of those, do you think, Don? All right, let me let me tell you the big issue here. Because most systems do support SHA-256 or SHA-512, so that, that's no big deal. But there are a ton of embedded systems, things like wireless access points, routers, switches, people running Cisco switches that will you know last for 10 years, but Cisco isn't putting out iOS updates for them anymore. And those devices 
may not have been updated to support SHA-256. They might have SHA-1 keys that they're using right now and no other option. And so in that scenario, if you have an embedded device that cannot be upgraded, once this SHA-1 support is dropped, you are now basically in a, an environment where you don't have a secure way to connect to that device. And worse, you've got a vulnerable system that could potentially be attacked. So that's where you've got to evaluate all of the other ancillary hardware that makes up your IT infrastructure to make sure that you aren't using SHA-1 anywhere. Man, if I was if I had the wherewithal, I'd get a bunch of people together and do like a boiler room type system where we just start calling Cisco customers going, if you got that Cisco, here's the problem. We recently had a problem with SHA-1, and if that's embedded in your system, you are just waiting for trouble. So what we can do is get you into a brand new Cisco box that gets you that SHA-512 real easy uh, for a 25% discount on the full market price. That's 511 SHA better. That's right. Yeah. And you could throw in a free 5G BioShield. There yep. you go. See? With we can every this paying customer IT career question. that uses a credit card. <laughs> yeah, act now. Yeah. Processing and the handling is a low, low 12 grand. Yeah. Yeah, I think you'll find that all the major operating systems, Windows, Mac OS, Linux, you know, they've all supported the various SHA algorithms for years now. So it's not... From a software side, it's not a big deal. It's going to be embedded devices. It's going to be printers and access points. That That's where you're really going to start running into this being a bigger risk. All right, so to Parker, our director, I'm going to say uh, SHA-1 just a couple of times now so you can go and edit that back on SHA-1. SHA-1. Shamoni. There we go. So now I won't sound like an idiot earlier. Make sure your inflection's really weird. SHA-1. SHA-1? SHA-1. SHA who? All right, our next article is over at ZDNet as well, uh, ZDNet.com. Thousands of enterprise systems infected by a new Blue Mockingbird malware gang. Hackers are exploiting a dangerous and hard-to-patch vulnerability to go after enterprise servers. Those are the kind of gangs you don't want your kids in, the, the malware gangs. For, for they're, they're a when they group. said the Blue Mockingbirds, yeah. I just imagined a bunch of leather jacketed, <laughs> like... Yeah. Like, yeah, we got these 55 mercs and our slick back hair. Sharks? No, that's the blue mockingbird. Oh, no. Don't mess with them. them. <laughs> Hide your devices. They got a hamburger, a, a malted shake. And Listen, they had a dance-off last time someone got nasty with them. That guy almost died. Yeah. Your Wi-Fi from exhaustion off. and shock. Of and while they were tap dancing, they were throwing out USB keys everywhere. <laughs> I got a few of them. All right, so uh, what is going on with, with this? There's... Uh, it's something that we need to obviously patch for or be concerned about, I assume. So this affects a very specific uh, environment, right? So if you are running web servers on top of Microsoft Windows, IIS, and you are using ASP.NET, and you are using the Telerik uh, framework, which is a framework that's designed to make it like easy to add buttons and styles and things to make your website look pretty. So quick and rapid ASP.NET development. Uh, so if you kind of fall in that range, there was a flaw in the Telerik framework that the attackers could use to create a remote shell. And once they had a remote shell, then they could compromise the underlying box. And from there, they could springboard and attack the rest of your network. So if you don't run ASP.NET, because most people don't, and if you don't run Telerik on top of it, then you don't really have to worry about this one at all. But if you do run those, you absolutely need to patch immediately and you need to go ahead and do incident response and assume that you've already been penetrated because they've had scans running for, for weeks now that have been identifying it. This has uh, supposedly been active since December. So that's about a five-month window that has potentially been taking advantage of. This is a known vulnerability, though, so you should already be patched. But if you aren't, the odds are that you've, you've already been scanned and compromised. Yeah, I was reading about how if... 
you're running some, some of these applications, ASP.NET, and you're, you're uh, using IIS, that you might have some underlying technology that leverages Telerik, and you might not even know it. So it's a good oh, idea. That would suck. To, yeah. So I was looking <laughs> at, like, if you go to Red Canary's website, I think there's a link inside of this article that takes you to uh, how you can find indicators of compromise for this system or this um, this nasty little bug. It's, it's a really interesting thing. And they said uh, down here, it says that um, this vulnerability or the, the CVE 2019-18935 vulnerability is one of the most exploited vulnerabilities. This is for Australia to attack Australian organizations in 2019 and 2020. Mm-hmm. And then for the NSA, the United States NSA listed uh, CVE 2019-18935 as one of the most exploited vulnerabilities used to plant web shells on servers. So that kind of lets you know the um, the weight and the magnitude of this this uh, particular bug. I, so people actually run IIS. <laughs> that's that's the biggest takeaway I got. It, like other than like just internal little web servers. I don't know. I, maybe I thought, that's just me. I'm just not entrenched in Microsoft technology. And also, I remember I was like Teler, Teleric, Teler, and so I just looked it up real quick. I remember looking at that because somebody asked me about it, but you have to pay for everything you use there. So it just didn't seem, it's not like a one-off person. This is very much an enterprise thing. I just, it just blows my mind. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm, I'm sheltered or something. I don't know. <laughs> I assume Justin just stopped paying attention when you said, assume you've already been penetrated. <laughs> you know, so now that you mentioned it, I've, uh, I've actually been doing a little bit of uh, advanced Googling here. And I might be wrong on, on this one that uh, it looks like you can actually do ASP.NET and Telerik on top of Linux. Um, if you have Mono installed, mm-hmm. uh, Mono lets you run .NET applications on top of Linux. And I, I, I've known about Mono. I didn't think anybody used it because it wasn't completely stable, but that apparently disease, you can. Right? Yeah, I had that in high school. Yeah. <laughs> actually, didn't Microsoft buy Mono? I thought my, I thought Microsoft made mono. Yeah, Bill Gates injected it in us. So I think somebody <laughs> they reversed engineered and then it was like bought by Xamarin Corp. Oh, Microsoft bought Xamarin. Yes. Yeah. I, yep. I, I could be anybody listening be like, well, Justin said, but that's not <laughs> what I, I'm. I'm asking a question. Uh, Microsoft. Justin said I'd get mono if I licked the server. <laughs> that's right. That's what <laughs> I heard. Stop <laughs> wrong. These USB keys are delicious. <laughs> the yeah. Mockingbird gang threw them out during their tap dancing. Yeah, I don't have five G cooties, but I have mono. So I'm going to revise my earlier statement and just say, if you have an ASP.NET application and you are using Telerik, uh, definitely check to see if your system is vulnerable. Okay. Yep. Tell Eric. All right. Uh, over at Reuters.com, our next article, NSA warns of ongoing Russian hacking campaign against U.S. systems. Are, are we like... Those they're Russians. at it again. Those kooky Russians. Well, that Did makes they me stop? wonder about like... like yeah. yeah, rules of engagement. Like if, if they were like shooting into an American business, like physical business, we'd like, hey, we, we should stop that and do something about it. But they're, they're doing that, you know, digitally. Are we, are we responding in kind? Are there articles... Over on the the Russian uh, internet, oh, you better believe it. Same, I guarantee you, we are hacking the piss out of them right now. The propaganda doesn't let us see that, though. We don't yeah. get to see that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we are all good, and they are all bad. And on the other side, they're, like, they're bad. Never hacked before here. Uh-huh. No? Everyone in Russia is named Boris or Natasha. That's right. it. You know, you yeah. two names and, and <laughs> Mikhail. That's this a good is one. all that we learn here. I believe so. Yeah, uh, this one, uh, and Daniel, again, you probably had the background on this one, but I I think it's just uh, an extension of that attack on the Exum email server, right? Yeah, that was exactly it. I was looking through it, and I was like, didn't I just see something about this? Because 
it's the uh, GRU, the, uh, what, what does GRU stand? That's it, their, basically, kind of like their version of CIA or um, something like that, I but it's their something technology. In Russian. <laughs> um, yeah, GRU. Yeah. But uh, they're, they're known as Sandworm, right? They're, they're Sandworm hacking group. Yeah. And uh, I saw that. I was like, man, I, I know I just saw something about this. And then if you go down the article, they do talk about the um, XML business. Very important question. So apparently the Doom GRU is... Sandworm or Beetlejuice Sandworm? Yeah, Beetlejuice Sandworm. Okay. Uh, the Doom ones are more uh, more dangerous, right? Yeah, but uh, Beetlejuice ones are kind of cooler. Was, was Tremors, is that a Sandworm? Is I would say yes. I guess a Graboid yeah, kind of is a Sandworm. Yeah. Graboid. You like how we all know that the <laughs> Tremors... Sandworms are called graboids, like off the top of our head. Listen, listen. Now, That's some big guns. How far did you get? Because in, by the time you get to Tremors 3, they're the, what, like, uh, oh, what are they called? The. <laughs> the oh, they have names. Oh, yeah. Well, Doug. There's like Doug. Ass Blaster. Yeah, the ass weird. Blaster. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they mix chemicals in their butt and they yeah. fly. Yeah. I wish I was making that Because in Tremors 2, they, they Michael like Gross burst is highly the worm and they could guy. see heat. Yeah, that's right. It's more of a nickname <laughs> than like a scientific Latin. Yeah, also, graboids are fake. Just anybody listen. That's <laughs> uh, not a documentary called real. Tremors out there. <laughs> <laughs> that's what the Russian troll factors want me to that's believe. Right. By the way, I looked it up, and uh, GRU stands for Glavone Razvedjanovno Opravlinve. I think that was Sweet. perfect Russian. Yeah. Nailed it. I like how it translates into English as the main directorate of the general staff of the armed forces of the Russian Federation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I can see why they went with an acronym way more on that. than ours. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Russian language is apparently incredibly efficient. Yeah. <laughs> Which, in fact, it, it should be its own compression algorithm. <laughs> just convert this to Russian, and then like, yeah. that's how you Everything's say it. Everything's it, yeah. 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 My text files just went down by like forty percent. Translate <laughs> it back when you when you email it to yourself, and you're all set. Uh, all right. Well, any any more uh, that we need to do on on this one, or no? If if you're running Exim, you need to be updating, and you need to be updating regularly because it is a massive target right now. So they uh, they are working on getting their claws in on that one. Uh, I, I never thought of it as a terribly popular mail server, but apparently a number of government organizations are running it, uh, so you'll certainly want to make sure you stay updated. Just like with uh, Telerik or really any application, you need to stay updated. You know, that's kind of a... I was, was going to say, Don, you could probably just stop your statement with, you just need to stay updated Yeah, across mm. the board. But if you but, can update, do it. But they're air-gapped. <laughs> air-gapped. This is my telegraph email server. Everybody has to walk up one by one and yeah, check right. their email. I, I tell you, it would not surprise me, like if if you were talking to somebody in the game. But it's air gap. Like people have to come with the shut up. You're dumb. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. You know it's not true. You're just lazy. Yeah. He's Justin with that random violence again. No, that's not violent. That's just me. No, I know the next stick. step in that it's discussion. A nice it's a slippery slope, Someone's Justin. getting slapped. It reminds me of uh, SNL where The Rock had that uh, quit smoking method where if you started to smoke, he would just come out and slap you across the face. <laughs> I tell that you would what, work. That would, that would knock him out of your hand. With yeah, you would not smoke after Yeah, I wouldn't that. do it again. Yeah. I'd stay with you. Why is your hand shaking? Because the withdrawals? No, I'm scared out of my mind. <laughs> uh, would you like a, oh, sweet Lord, get away from me. And is huge. All right. He is a big dude. Yeah. Uh, hey, I want to let you know about a couple things coming up over at IT Pro TV. We've got a webinar today, the day that this podcast goes out. Uh, it is with Don and 
Justin, right? Justin, is it yeah. you? All right. Uh, it is is an, uh, a career in IT right for you. Ten qualities of a successful IT pro. Uh, Thursday, June 4th. And uh, head over to itpro.tv slash webinars to check that one out. And then as, again, part of our getting started in IT focus in June, uh, we have one on June 18th. Uh, what IT certifications are right for you? Finding the right certs for your career goals. That's uh, Thursday, June 18th. So you're seeing a pattern there. It's every other week. Uh, so head over, like I said, to itpro.tv slash webinars. Register for those. And uh, even if you miss the time that it's on, you can um, get a video of it and watch on demand uh, at, over at that website. So check that out. Also, head over to go.itpro.tv slash technado. You can get a 30% off coupon code for the lifetime of your personal subscription. You can get a seven-day free trial. And if you're a part of a business, you can also request a demo, find out about all the cool features that are available to enterprises that are working with IT Pro TV as well. That's over at go.itpro.tv slash technado. All right, gentlemen, I guess that's, uh, that's it. Happy getting started in IT month. And I meant to ask you, Peter, you know, you're wearing your NASA shirt today. Are you going to toss that out and get a SpaceX shirt? Well, I mean, it's still it's still NASA, right? I mean, SpaceX made the... the... Yeah, NASA, you know, they built the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> they clean Elon's boots. I want to see if the, the guys come back, and then I'll get a SpaceX shirt. <laughs> what if they come back like the Fantastic Four? Then I can totally get the SpaceX. Yeah, I'm like, bruh, sign me up. Yeah, we're right. I don't care. What do you get want? A Tesla. Knowing my power. luck, though, I'll be like, like some dumb superpower, like my nails grow or my beard, <laughs> like the Play-Doh Man, or, or like I got a fat hand and a skinny hand or something stupid like that. <sighs> my nails already grow. I don't know. No, no, I'm talking like, <gasps> and then just. Uh, do you remember that show, the 4400? Yeah. Where everybody came back and they all had an ability. Like, everybody who had been abducted over the last hundred years came back and they had some kind of special ability, but they didn't know what it was. They had to figure it out. And my wife said, you know, what, what if you got a really lame ability? Like, it took you a while to figure it out and you realized, wow, my ability is scentless farts. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. Like, other people can turn invisible and stop time. Scentless farts. Scentless farts. <laughs> what was that show called? 4,400. 4,400. It got canceled. Yeah, I've seen a 700 club. It's Very similar. Totally different. Almost identical. Totally yeah. different. Almost identical. Different comedy. <laughs> <laughs> Oddly enough, Pat Robertson was all both of them. <laughs> <laughs> Six power. degrees, Kevin Bacon. Uh, right there. <laughs> and Kevin Bacon was in Tremors. Uh, yeah. Was. yeah. But it all the first one. The first one. Only the first one. Right, yeah. <laughs> Michael Gross was the only one to go through all five movies. Yeah. That's, That's the only one I cared about having in all those movies. Yeah. <laughs> he was amazing. Yeah. Bert. All right. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, that's your assignment this week. Go home and watch uh, all three Tremors. If you, five, are there more five, than three? Five. Five? <laughs> there might be six of them okay. now. I mean, but there's like 80 Jurassic Parks, too, but there's only like a few that, that are, you know, decent. You don't put all the movies in there. Like, if I say go watch Star Wars, I'm not talking about the prequel. So, listen, listen. <laughs> if I say go watch Tremors, I hope you're not putting in your mind that it's going to be a cinematic masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Gone with the Wind. <laughs> yeah. It's Citizen Kane. Yeah, yeah. It's the worms. Godfather <laughs> with a bunch of worms that eat people. <laughs> right, well, watch it. Let us know your comments uh, <laughs> in the comments on, on YouTube there. Make sure to subscribe. Uh, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, all those great places. And... Share it with your friends. Why don't you? That's a, a great gift you can give. It's the gift of our podcast. And mono. Reba McIntyre. Mono. Yeah, also, Reba is in the gift. first one, too. <laughs> All right. Wrong gold during rec room. He sure did. Oh, yeah, they've got, yeah, that's Reba. Okay. Yeah. I keep trying to end the show, and then we just keep having revelations about yeah. 
Tremors, any last thoughts? We're going to get sued because we say so much. <laughs> yeah, we the basically dad from, The dad from Family Ties, right? That's, that's Michael, Michael Gross. That's, that's Michael Gross. Yeah, about. okay, yeah, okay. I didn't know, was, I didn't know he had a name. <laughs> it was dad. <laughs> the dad like Ties. I said, he's highly underrated. <laughs> All right. All right. Thanks, everybody, for watching. We'll see you next week on Technado with Tom Pizzak. Bye-bye.